something new, and I'd like to invite you to stand today as we read God's Word uh, in honor of His, uh, His words today. It's called, uh, in, my, in my Bible, maybe in your scripture too, we're in the book of Mark today, in the Gospel of Mark. The Gospel of Mark is given to us through the eyes of Peter, uh, the apostle, which means that it's short and it's kind of all over the place and rather abrupt and short and to the point, which is just what Peter was. And, and so in my Bible, the little heading on the top says the way of the cross, which is what we're uh, focusing in on today. And in chapter 30, uh, verse uh, 34 of chapter 8, when he called the crowd to him and along with his disciples, and he said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants their, to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it, good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in their adulterous and sinful in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with his holy angels. This is the word of the Lord today. You may be seated. Thank you. Well, when you set out to be whatever you are today whatever you decided to be as a profession, what did you do to prepare yourself to become that person, right? Um, obviously, that answer kind of varies depending on the, every person, what path you took to get there, um, and, you know, depending on what profession you took. Some, some things are required for you to do, some things you can just learn along the way. Some of you knew exactly what you wanted to do, what you planned to do, right? And so you knew how to get there, and your path was straight as an arrow, right? You took it, and you got on the right. Maybe it was uh, whatever classes you took, and you went to college, and that was the right path for you, and that's what you did, and that's how you prepared yourself. Maybe it was an apprenticeship, and then you got... Uh, got going in, in uh, trade school, things like that, and that's how you prepared yourself, and that's what you knew you wanted to do, and you got, you got working, right? Some of us, and yes, I said us, <laughs> because I'm included, took the scenic route, right, uh, to where we were headed. Amen. Yes. Um, so our path has a few forks in it, okay? And like Yogi Berra once said, when you come to the fork in the road, take it, right? So honestly, today, that'll come to you later, all right? Today, uh, some of you, some of you might still be stuck in this roundabout on the path that you're taking, and you're just going in circles, and you're not sure where to get off on, right? Okay, and then that's okay, and you don't know which one you're going to pick, so you just keep going in circles until you figure that out, and that's okay. Regardless of whatever path you've chosen, and whatever training you've gotten over the time, over time, uh, and and whatever education you've you've gained, here's my guess: you've done a whole lot of picking up, and a whole lot of putting down. Okay, we'll get back to that in just a minute. When it comes time to make a purchase, what steps do you take to make that purchase? And like. 
I'm not talking about picking a candy bar at the store, because that obviously is the hardest decision in the history of mankind, right? It, if you're taking a kid, it for sure is the hardest decision, right? But I'm talking about like a bigger purchase, right? Are you the researcher? You're the research type, right? Where you, you go and you find out all the different ratings that the product has, right? You have to figure that out and all, you read all of the reviews, the good and the bad, and you have to sift through all that information. You make a T-chart, yeah, with all the pros and the cons, and you figure out, okay, I'm going to get, th this is a good thing, that's a bad, this is good, okay? And you compare different websites and store locations, and you make sure you're getting the absolute best deal possible, Okay, it's Christmas time's almost here, and you're shopping, you know, Black Friday sales, all that stuff is important, okay? Do you, do you uh, or maybe you, you, make, you make your purchases from referrals, right? You have a friend or a relative, and they're, they're an expert, or, uh, they, or they have. They have what you want, and so you go and you test it out, right? You take a little test spin, uh, whether it's a car or a device, whatever it is, and before you get your own, you're going to test it out. And, and that's a good thing, too. Because, because they're the specialists, you're going to trust their judgment. Because they have one, you're like, oh, I should probably get one, too, right? And, uh, and you trust them. Or, or are you this person? You're the impulse buyer? Yeah. Because, you know, Prime Day was this week. And I'm sure there was a lot of impulsing going on for two full days, I think. I think it was two days. You're surfing Amazon, and you're like at the bottom where it says, others also bought this item, and you get suckered into buying that too, okay? Because, oh, well, others bought it. I'll get it too. Sure. Why not? You know? And as a matter of fact, there's probably three or four of you on Amazon right now. Yeah, I know. That's okay. No matter what kind of buyer you are, regardless of the type of purchase that it is, at some point, hopefully, you have to count the cost of the item, don't you? And I think it's safe to say today that none of us here are just going to go out and buy whatever we want, those big purchases, right? Uh, I haven't heard, I think, I'm not sure, that somebody won that billion-dollar-plus lottery deal and they haven't announced two, so might have been, y'all. Um, and just if that's the case, just a reminder that 10% of $1 billion is $1 million. And the text to give number is 84321. <clears throat> so when we make a purchase of any kind, right? Oh, thank you. Very nice. When we make a purchase of any kind... When we go to the grocery store, you go buy your kiddo a pair of basketball shoes. Um, you go to John North Ford and you check him out with old Gort, right? And you find a new ride. You have to count the cost at some point. What's this, what's this going to cost me, right? Well, in our scripture today, Jesus has come to the point in his journey of ministry where he begins to reveal uh, very plainly to his disciples, very plainly, what his future holds. And maybe we should look backwards uh, just a little bit um, prior to the scripture that we read. And in Mark uh, chapter, 30, uh, chapter 8, where we read verse 34 through 38. But if we back up just a little bit to the, a few verses before this, 
Jesus predicts his own death. Okay? And right before that, he asked the disciples, um, you know, who, who do people think I am? But he tells them in no shorter words, I am the Messiah. Okay? He reveals to them who he is. But in, in verse 31, he says, He began to teach them the Son of Man. The Son of Man is just another word for, it's a phrase that always takes place for the Messiah. He never said that I am the Messiah. He said the Son of Man. And that, would, that was enough for people to understand. That he would teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and he must be killed and after three days, rise again. He spoke plainly about this, meaning he just said it right out loud, right? And Peter, Peter took him aside. Now, remember, Mark is writing this, but Peter's the one who told him all this. And this is probably Mark taking a little liberty. And Peter took him aside, and he began to rebuke Jesus. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. He said, you do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. So earlier, we read that passage from the, the one right after that about whoever wants to be my disciple needs to take up their cross, deny themselves, take up their cross. But this is the pretext to that. This is the, the, what's, what's leading up to, the buildup. And, and so these verses, they're... They're actually the setting here. It's, your, it's a very typical small group Bible study, all right? One that you've probably all been a part. You've, picture this, right? Picture this small group. You may, have, you may have been a part of a small group just like this. Maybe, I don't know. You know, the one where Jesus is sitting there and he plainly states, hey, guys, I'm the Messiah. Yeah? You ever been a part of that small group? And he tells them, out loud for the first time exactly why he's there. I'm going to die. They're going to put me to death. I'm going to be rejected. I'm going to be tortured. This is the way it's going to happen. He spells it all out for them. And Peter, he's like, oh, he pulls Jesus aside and he's like, uh, Jesus, you might want to maybe just keep those comments to yourself. Um, and, and so Jesus like calls Peter a name. Like, get behind me, Satan. You don't know what you're talking about. That's why I'm here. You don't get it right now. And he tells them in no uncertain terms. He tells all the disciples, basically, your hearts just are not ready for what I told you. But I told you anyway. So hold on tight because things are going to start coming pretty fast. Okay? And why did he do this? Because the way of the cross... Because this is, this is the way of the cross. It's, it's the way it requires one to count the cost. Just like you would do if you went out and you purchased something big, you would count the cost. The way of the cross requires someone to count the cost, every one of us. And up to this point, all of the disciples, all 12 of them, well, they were, maybe for lack of a better term, they were, they, were, uh, they were like at a freshman level Jesus following, okay? They were freshman level disciples, okay? Freshman 101, if you will. Here's what I mean. Um, for those of you who attended college um, and, and you lived in dorms, okay? You went away and you went to the dorms. Uh, remember the feeling of the freedom that you had, 
right? The schedule, uh, how much uh, the sense of fun, and how much uh, you, how much time you spend doing everything, but going to school <laughs> uh, and studying and doing what you're supposed to do. It seemed like, um, and so answer this: When when did your freshman year stop feeling like teen camp? Because that's kind of how you got away from your you're away from your mom and dad. You had your own schedule, and that's kind of the way it was. Because teen camp is the same way. You go, you have a pretty light schedule, not a whole lot of restrictions on you. You have some, but less supervision, maybe. You, you have a blast. You don't sleep a lot. And, and at some point on their journey of following Jesus, the disciples, the, they, they're these, these disciples, they were at a freshman level up until this point. And in Mark... Uh, 8, 34, which we've read at the very beginning today, Jesus basically is promoting them to upper level, upperclassmen levels of disciples. The kind of disciples that require them to count the cost of what it's going to be like to give their life for him. And so he says, whoever wants to be my disciple. And when Jesus said this, the 12 guys were thinking, whoa, <laughs> Hold the phone, Jesus. What, uh, what have we been doing, right? What have we been doing? Peter and Andrew, James and John, the first four guys that Jesus called, they were like, um, listen, we were on the shore. You told us, you said, hey, follow me. We'll make you fishers of men, right? And we dropped everything. We left our family, and we followed you. That literally is the definition of disciple. And Jesus, Jesus said, I don't think you get it, Jesus. Uh, you're not tracking. You don't know what disciple really means, right? And they thought, they, they thought they'd already done some of the denying that Jesus was getting ready to talk about, but not to the extent that Jesus required. And he says to them, whoever wants to be my disciple. And they're like, well, we thought we were doing that all right. And then he goes, but must deny themselves, or put another way, must count the cost. You have to get out of your own way. Maybe, uh, better put, Eugene Peterson, he wrote the paraphrase called The Message, which he just went through the whole Bible and he rewrote it in um, like more modern terms. And, and he said it this way, anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. That's a hard one, right? <coughs> Excuse me. Anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You are not in the driver's seat. I am. You surrender control of your life to be a disciple. That's the beginning, right? That's the very beginning. Freshman level, which is super important. You can't graduate from college without being a freshman at some point, right? So important, super important. But you are um, still, it's just the beginning because Jesus has called us, though, to more. And this is what he's getting at. He's telling them right now, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. And here is where maturity happens. Here is where the disciples go from freshman level to grad school, like in two steps, okay? It's a big jump, 
right? Because Jesus, he chooses his words very carefully. He knows exactly what he was saying. When he says, take up your cross, take up your cross, well, that word cross, that's a big deal. Because the visual, we've talked about this in the past, the visual of the word cross would have been horrifying to people in those days. That, that subject matter was rated R for violence, okay? When, when, we hear the, when we hear the word cross in our, in our context here in our gathering today, when we hear that, what do you think about? Think about sacrifice, yeah, death for sure. And as Christians, we value the significance of the cross. We, never, we don't undervalue that at all. But we know the end of the story, right? We have it written down right here in our scripture. It's written down for us to read about. And, and it's, why, it's why we are here today. Because we know the end of the, the, the story and we celebrate it. And without the resurrection, the cross has no victory whatsoever. Okay? It's just a method of, of death and torture. And lots of people died on a cross. So we have to remember that the resurrection is the biggest event. The, the cross was in, is it's not undervalued at all. Okay? But like I said, we know the end of the story. The disciples, they did not. Okay? In their day, the cross was this awful torture tactic of death. Right? In those days, every person would have most likely either witnessed a crucifixion live at some point in their life, or they had seen a person that had been crucified because the Romans would, would leave people on display outside of the town um, on those crosses as a scare tactic. Like, don't mess with the Roman Empire, okay? This is the way they sent their message. You don't do this, or this is what's going to happen to you, okay? So um, this is what Jesus was saying to his disciples. Take up your cross, and to be my disciple, you have to deny yourself. You have to let God be in control. Okay, Let God be in control and pick up your cross. And be willing, willing to go further to the furthest degree of sacrifice in order to serve him. Or again, as Eugene Peterson put it, don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Follow me and I will show you how. Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Follow me, and I'll show you how. See, moving forward, Jesus was telling his disciples, he, has, uh, he was telling all his followers that follow, that follow Jesus, both then and now, you have to count the cost. And FYI, the cost was Jesus' life. And he was telling us today that taking up our cross means that we're not choosing the easy path, right? Rather, the path of faith in God. I, raise your hand if you think the way of the cross sounds super easy. Yeah, I don't see any hands. It's not. But suppose that day that Jesus was strolling, suppose, suppose the day um, along the lake shore. He's strolling along, and he comes along Peter and Andrew, and 
And then uh, a few minutes later, he comes along, James and John. And instead of saying, hey, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men, he, instead of saying that, um, he says, okay, follow me, take up your cross, because I'm going to die for the sins of the world, and then you're going to come and share the story with everyone you know across the globe. What do you think Peter, James, John, and Andrew were done? They're like, eh, maybe you should just keep walking, man. Because here's the thing. Those four guys, they, they weren't ready to hear that. Jesus knew take up your cross was too strong of language to lead off with, right? Uh, see, see, God's patient. He's more than capable of playing the long game when it comes to our faith and waiting on us to be ready to hear and to digest all the things that we have to digest in order for us to have the faith that we need. For example, back in Exodus, way back in the Old Testament, right, the second book of the Old Testament, very second book of the whole Bible, God, he, uh, the, the Israelites, they're they're in Egypt, and they're slaves, and um, he sent Moses to go get them out of Egypt. And he, gives, uh, he supplies these ten plagues, and the first one was a no. Pharaoh said no. Second one, no. All the way through the tenth one, Pharaoh says he finally releases him. Go on. Get out of here. And the Israelite people are free. So the nation of Israel, they pack up and they leave. And in Exodus chapter 13, we see God's understanding of his people and their hearts for what they're ready for and when and, and God's timing for everything. And he says this in uh, chapter 13 of Exodus, verse 17, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them through the road, uh, through the God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was the shorter way. For God said that if they faced war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led them around the desert road through the Red Sea. And the Israelites went up ready for battle. If they face war right now, if they face war right now, they might change their minds. They did change their minds, right? That's all they did. They were so far much, they were so much on the teeter-totter of faith. The, the Israelites coming out of slavery, they had no idea what to do. They knew they didn't want, that's the reason Moses was there. He, God told Moses in the burning bush, I've heard the cries of my people. It's time to go get them. Let's, let's get them out of there. They'd been there for 400 years, so it was time, right? And, and so even though they had been slaves for that long, at least they knew what to expect every day. They got up and they went and worked for however many hours and they came home. They knew what was going to happen. They were comfortable slaves, right? Think about that. They were comfortable slaves. They were oppressed and they hated their lives, but they were comfortable slaves. And God knew that if they took the express lane to the promised land, they would not have time to develop any of the faith that they needed because God didn't just hand them the promised land, even though it was promised, there was some work to do. There were some, there were some people there that didn't want to let go of the land that, that, that they were inhabiting. So if they weren't ready to face the hard trials that were in front of them, trials like, say, 
a nine-foot champion from Gath, right? His name was Goliath. Remember that guy? Story from the Bible? Uh, a little guy named David. I mean, David faced Goliath 400 years after the Egyptians or the Israelites left Egypt. That's how long it took to get the faith that it needed to take over, right? See, God's patient. He's willing to play that long game. And they weren't, they weren't ready. If the Israelite army wasn't ready, the, the, the Israelite army wasn't ready to face Goliath then. Remember, 40 days. Goliath would go out of his tent and say, hey, bring it on. Bring somebody down. Let's fight. Just me and him, and that's all it'll take. And then whoever wins, that army wins. 40 days. Finally, David heard it, and he was like, well, I'll do it, right? Finally, someone had enough faith. The Israelites coming out of, of Egypt, not enough faith. So God knew that he got the Israelites out of Egypt, but he had to get the Egypt out of the Israelites, right? So Jesus understood this too. He knew the hearts of his closest followers, those 12 guys, those disciples, and he knows your heart too. And he chose not how he chose now. Now's the time. I'm going to tell them. Okay, guys, there is not an easy road. I'm going to tell you right now. This is not an easy path. If you want to be my disciple, you have to deny yourself. That's hard enough, right? Amen? If you want to be my disciple, you want to follow Jesus for the rest of your life, you have to deny yourself. Well, hello, that's born in us. What's one of the first words that little Otto is probably going to say in his life? Mine. Mine. It, give me, right? And, and so that's, it, we say it. That's what kids do. They, they want. So denying ourselves, it's in us, okay? So, and then you have to come to an you have to come to this understanding that it's not about you. That loving others is outward focused. So that's not about you. That's denying yourself. That serving others is not a thought it's, an, it's a deed. It's an action. That it's not about us. It's about others. And he told them, Jesus told them, if you want to be my disciple, you have to take up your cross. Which pretty much uh, from here on out meant for the disciples, things are going to get tougher. Things are going to get harder than they are now. And that question, that, that the questions from here on out are going to get deeper. And the temptations are going to come, and they're going to come more frequent. That some of the people that are, that are called, that, that you call your friend, right, they're going to turn on you. That, that you get to take on, you get, you, because you're a follower now of me, and you've denied yourself, and you're taking up your cross, not only that, you get to take all of that stuff in stride, because that's what a follower of Jesus does. Oh, and by the way, guys, disciples, all of you, all of y'all, and the 12 that he's talking to, I'm totally going to show you exactly how to handle it all. Okay? Jesus said, I'm going I'm to show you how to handle all those questions. I'm going to show you how to handle the disapproval. I'm going to show you how to handle betrayal and how to handle actually carrying a cross. See, the way of the cross, it's, it's living a lifestyle 
like that of Jesus. It requires us putting some things down, denying ourselves, right? Surrendering our wants and our desires, pruning the excess and the unneeded stuff from our lives to make room for Jesus. And with the putting down, it also comes some picking up, right? That as we deny ourselves and we surrender those old desires, those wants that, uh, and, and the things that we want, used to do, it's replaced by the, what the Holy Spirit wants for us. And our thoughts become his thoughts. One thing that we need to remember as we wrap things up, that the way of the cross that Jesus is talking about here and uh, what it means to be a disciple is there, is there to make our life better, right? He's not telling them to deny themselves and never smile again and, he's never, and never have fun and just be miserable. That miserable Christian from, uh, you know, you're never allowed to have any fun and do any of that other stuff that you used to do. You just got to go be uh, an old stick in the mud and miserable and no fun guy, right? That's not what he's saying, right? We talked about it last week or a couple weeks ago. I can't remember. It all runs together sometimes. Jesus did not share about following him and being a disciple so he could take life away. He did it to make life better and to give life. One pastor puts it this way. Following Jesus will make your life better and make you better at life, right? But taking up your cross may also put you in some non-freshman situations, if you catch my drift, right? And it, taking up your cross, it requires you to get out and get your boots a little muddy. And you'll be most likely get knocked around. That's the way it goes. And you'll be exhausted. Amen. Exhausted to the point that that cross, you're going to want to put it down. And it's going to want to happen. Just like God led the Israelites through the wilderness until they were ready, okay? And it, it took them having to change their habits. It took them 40-some years, right, of wandering around. They had to change their habits. And their faith had to grow. Their faith in God had to grow. And their reliance on the past and on themselves and their tradition and all the stuff from Egypt and the old way of life had to fade away. And they had to get rid of it all. And, and he was leading them. Pillar of the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. We don't get that, right? We don't get a, a, a cloud of, uh, by day and a pillar of fire by night. I wish we did. Things would be so easy. If we could just follow a God, a God, a God around at night because the, the pillar of fire is moving. Let's go, right? But he's still leading us. Jesus didn't ask the disciples to do anything that he was not willing to do himself. And he showed us what to do. Jesus did not tell them anything that he had not already been prepared to accomplish. That's why he came. Because there did come a day, right, when others did challenge him. Multiple times, right? When those that loved him also betrayed him. 
And there came a day when it was necessary for him to pick up a cross and carry it to a hill that um, would show all, kind, all of mankind what it means to count the cost. So that's what it looks like to be a disciple. Right? Not the freshman level. We want to be there. We want to accept Christ as our Savior. And then our relationship begins to turn. And we want to grab as many people as we can to come with us. But it goes beyond. And there's some denying. There's some putting down that has to happen. And some picking up of our cross that has to occur too. One way of the cross um, that, uh, that we get to celebrate is before us today. In the sacrament of baptism. And uh, it's a great celebration, right? Uh, baptism is a, is a declaration of a disciple, of a follower of Jesus. And, uh, and they are, uh, it's because they are Christians that are acknowledging their intention to follow Jesus for the rest of their life. And to serve him, and to honor him, and to deny themselves, and to take up their cross and follow him. And today, we have one young lady that's made that decision. So I'd like to invite Zoe to come on up here and uh, to be a part of this. And um, you can just come stand right up here, Miss Zoe, uh, because you have a part in this. You want to take your shoes off and get ready. You can. Uh, but y'all have a part in this, too. Okay? And so uh, there's some few words that I want to share. And then we're going to um, all speak together uh, as well. Um, but Christian baptism is a sacrament Signifying participation by faith in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and incorporation of his body, the church. That's you all, right? So in me, it's a means of grace proclaiming that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. And this is all wrapped up in um, the Christian faith. It's uh, what we believe is affirmed through the uh, Apostles' Creed. And I'd like us all to say that together today. The words will be on the screen. And so um, 